you practice your free speech, which I don't embrace. We choose truth over facts. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. You are fake news. Removing information that is problematic. going out there hope everybody had a wonderful weekend um i did it was kind of nice um this was a weekend in which i felt almost normal uh which was great um met some cool people had a great time um things it was just refreshing to be out with people who wanted to be out and enjoy the day um enjoy the company of others and just sort of uh, get back to the way things used to be as we know it. And uh, I hope that uh, trend continues. This was a great weekend. Um, Got a lot to talk about. Um, Let's see here. A lot of people talking about the schools, public schools, opening, closing. What should we do? Um, What should we do, I guess, is is the big question, right? In the middle um, of a pandemic, what do we do? You know, what do we do with school? Because essentially, we can't just not have school right now without a plan. Um, I think it was kind of rushed. I don't necessarily disagree with shutting down school in the beginning. Um if they really did, you know, believe that this whole pandemic was um, super dangerous, then yeah, I can see why we shut the schools down. We got to protect kids, protect teachers, protect, uh, you know, it makes, it kind of makes sense if this was a super dangerous thing. Um, It's not crazy. It's not a crazy idea to shut school down, you know, cancel school. Don't let the kids interact. Um, I don't know if any of you work with kids. I do. Um, I teach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to children and Um, I get sick all the time from those kids. Uh, They carry lots of stuff. They hang out with lots of different kids, lots of different uh, situations at school. Um, They get into all kinds of crap. And basically, um, it's gross. And so if you deal with kids and you teach kids a lot, um, you get sick. So um, it only it does it does make sense that you you know, even even though kids seem to be, I don't want to say immune, nobody's immune, I guess, and we don't know enough about that, but kids don't seem to be suffering from this uh, virus nearly at the degree that adults are, um, but along those lines, you don't want them spreading it around, and it just, it, it, it did initially, um, you know, it did make sense in the beginning, totally understandable, when we didn't know much about it, uh, when we were worried about it, and um, when the panic was ensuing about the virus. Um, and now we've reached a point. Kids have been out of school since I will say April, probably. I don't have my own kids yet. I will in September, but as of yet, don't quite have one. Um, so I think it was April. They were out of, they were canceled school in April and they've been out ever since. So kids got a pretty long summer, which was fun for them. 
Um, probably not very fun because, well, you all know what we're going through right now. Um, so it's not like anybody was just vacationing. I know teachers were not laid off, but they were expected to keep doing their job um, from home, which, um, you know, that's pretty cool that a lot of them did that, stepped up to do that. Um, that's dope. I, I, I do respect that. I appreciate that. Um, I know they didn't, a lot of them probably didn't have to, um, especially during a pandemic. So the ones that did, that did, you know, um, that's awesome. And I'm saying all of this cause I think I'm going to get into some talking points that might, uh, sound like I don't appreciate that or don't understand that aspect of this. Um, but I do. And I do uh, respect what teachers do. Obviously, I know they have a really hard job. Um, and I think they're doing a great, I think they're doing great work uh, for the most part. Um, even though I feel like overall, um, there should probably be, um, I guess this is for another episode. This isn't about this today, but someday we will touch on what exactly goes on at public school, what exactly kids are being taught, um, you know, what exactly a teacher's job is and what they pretty much should be focusing on, I guess, while they teach um, and what the kids are learning while they're there and, and what's important. So um, we'll get to that another time. But as of today, um, pretty much I want to talk mostly about um, the idea of opening the school. Um, I know uh, there's been a lot of hubbub lately and talk about the press secretary, Kaylee McKenney, um said something along the lines of science shouldn't get in the way of uh, schools reopening, um, which I don't think. I'm pretty sure that was taken out of context. I know it sounds bad for her, um, but I think she was more talking about, you know, she's got science that she believes is backing up the idea that school is safe to open and other people are pointing to other um, scientists or professionals saying, you know, basically that it's not safe to open, we shouldn't open, um, and it's not definitive is essentially what I got from that. Um, it's just not definitive. We don't know whether it's safe or not. We don't know anything about this virus. You know, that's what makes it scary and dangerous. Um, we don't know, you know, that's where the original panic came from. That's where I think the panic was originally justified is that we didn't know what was going on. So in a situation in which we don't know what's going on, um, a lot of the things that were decided, I don't, I don't think we're super crazy, you know, under the circumstance of we don't know what's happening. Um, but what it's morphed into, as we learn more and more about the situation we're in, um, and we people are, um, you know. For better or for worse, those decisions came down, and a lot of people don't. Well, I mentioned this in the last episode. Um, people don't want to sort of take into account how many people are suffering significantly um, from losing their job, losing their friends, losing, um, not seeing their family, um, lots of stuff, and it's uh, taking a real toll economically, um, emotionally, mentally. On a lot of people are going on four months now of this lockdown that was supposed to last initially two weeks. Um, and I think people are starting to uh, panic a little bit. I think we're going to start seeing some serious uh, side effects of the decisions that we made. And, 
this isn't really going to be about whether those decisions were good or not. Um, that's another discussion entirely, but um, the main one we're going to talk about is uh, the whole idea of reopening public school um, in the fall. And um, it's not for another, what is school open? I believe in September, it's July now. Um, so it's another what, month and a half away. Um, so there's still time, uh, I guess to, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows what we're waiting for really. Um, I think we touched on this briefly in the last episode about what is the goal, um, of all of this when it comes to making these decisions that are having, um, you know, a hugely detrimental effect on a lot of people. Um, I think we need to strongly consider uh, that aspect of these decisions and whether or not they're being made in the name of safety to protect everyone or protect most people or protect those who are vulnerable. Um, it's time to basically start listening to the people who are suffering significantly from uh, mental toll or economic damage or um, they're terrified of the, what the future may hold because they're in a very unsure situation with new things on the horizon and they, you know, something as simple as they don't know what they're going to do for a living is um, it's a big mountain to overcome. And I know a lot of people out there are suffering from real depressing thoughts. Um, you know, I, I myself had some thoughts I've never had before that were um, uncomfortable for myself, um, kind of trying to figure out what's what's happening and how I can uh, go forward here. But um, I'm through that now, you know, but I, you know, kind of opened my eyes to this idea that so many more people are suffering from this. Um, a lot of these decisions, which, again, I'll retouch that I'm not going to sit here and say they were all bad. Um, that's not to, it's not what this is, this show is going to be about. Um, but the big one that we need to talk about is whether or not we're going to open, um, at least open school. And before we go on with the rest of this, um, I think the first point to make about school is just on a macro level. I think there's an important reason, um, for kids to, you know, hang out with each other, to be with each other, to be away from their parents, um, all day, you know, it's not like they're unsupervised or anything like that, but when you go in elementary school, you know, junior high, high school, that's probably the most independent you're going to be up until you get your driver's license and you can go hang out with your friends somewhere else. Um, and now you've got kids who are just at home all the time uh, with their parents and um, parents who, even if they're offered their job back or even if they have a job, are trying to decide whether or not um, they can go there because they have to take care of their kid now because... Um, up until very recently, you know, four or five, five months ago, you dropped your kid off at school and you went to work. You know, that's what my parents did. They dropped us off at school and they went to work and then they picked us up afterwards. Um, that doesn't exist right now. And it is summer. So we only had to deal with a couple of months of that initially. Um, but if they're not going to reopen, then that's all going to happen again. Um, and it's not like kids are seeing their friends. Otherwise, most people don't want their kids mingling right now due to the whole situation. Um, so you've got a lot of kids at home 
and the only people they're seeing are their parents, which, you know, it's good. That's a loving relationship. There's nothing wrong uh, with kids being good friends with their parents or, you know, being close to their parents at all. That's a good thing, actually. Um, I think that's positive. But the inability to, um, you know, interact on a social level is probably not helping them. Um, I think that's a more serious um, situation than people are probably giving it credit for. And I know that a lot of people's overarching belief is that the main thing that needs to happen, the number one thing that needs to happen is we need to not let anybody die from this disease, um, which I understand. Uh, but I guess we'll just get into that right now. It's um, If you're going to make that argument about COVID-19, then sim- you simply have to make that argument about every single other disease. Um, I understand this one is a little bit different um, as you know, we don't know anything about it. So that makes, um, it a little bit more scary. It's not like we've been dealing with it. It's not like the flu where, you know, it's been around forever and no one really knows how long it's been around. It's just been a part of being a human for so long. Um, but I think people use the flu as a comparison because it is relatively dangerous. I mean, you know, tens of thousands of people die from the flu every year. Um, And we still have people that just say, oh, it's just the flu. It's the flu. It's the flu, right? Um, And, you know, if you're going to argue that COVID kills people, so therefore we cannot go to school, then in order for you to stay consistent along those lines of an argument, I feel like you also have to argue, well, the flu kills people, so we can't go to school. Well, you know, some people get pneumonia from getting COVID or getting the flu or bronchitis, so they can't go to school either. Or, you know, other things get trans transmitted when you're at school um you know swine flu went around i don't believe school shut down for swine flu um i don't think school shut down for aids um turned out to be fine most kids probably aren't uh partaking in the activities it's going to end up with them getting aids from another kid but um still there it was you know this is the by far the most um extreme reaction that i think I think we've ever had, um, as a country to a disease. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, you can find me at methods, Matt on Twitter. If you want to scream at me about that, but I'm pretty sure that I don't think we've ever responded this way, um, to a disease before. And it's extreme and there are extreme consequences to both people's mental sanity and the economy. Um, and a lot of that is kids. Um, they're now going to, um, hopefully not, but they're part, they may well grow up in this situation, um, which is far, you know, believe what you will about what they were telling us to do and what they forced us to do and what they forced us into, but it is a far less free, uh, place than it was five months ago. Um, so it's, it's just, it's interesting. That's not to say that it's necessarily, um, the end of America or anything like that. I'm not trying to make some kind of crazy, um, argument here, but that is, it is something you should, you know, people should, we, it's time to, it's time to consider both sides of this argument here. Um, and I've read that the goal, um, that we're achieving, I've heard a lot of people say, we just need a vaccine. Once we get the vaccine, we can go back to normal, the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine, right? We just need a vaccine. And while, most everyone understands the efficacy of vaccines, understands the uh, very successful 
very important history of vaccines. They've, you know, they haven't eradicated diseases, but they, it's, you know, they achieve a level of herd immunity where um, they don't really affect us anymore. You know, things like smallpox, things like polio, um, those types of things. We have very, very effective vaccines for those, um, which has only benefited society. So um, they are, I think, referencing that type of thing. Um, but to me, it's kind of missing the mark because um, a COVID vaccine is probably going to be more along the lines of a flu vaccine, which we also have now. Uh, we've had for some years now. And um, it's interesting that people point to this as the benchmark of what the goal is. I mean, I, and I know a lot of people, everybody has different goals of what the goal of the lockdown is. What are we waiting for? What are the numbers? You know, because to me, the big overarching question is when do we get back to normal, right? When is it that we can go back to work? When is it that I can go back to running my business? When do I have to not consider COVID-19 anymore, right? Because I've never had to consider a disease before. Um, I think it's the big question. We've never had to consider a disease on this magnitude ever. And now we're being asked to not only consider it, we're being forced to act in a way where we're being told if we don't consider it, that in the near future, there may be legal penalties for that, um, which I think is insane. But um it's a drastic change. It's a drastic change in our thinking. It's a drastic change in our society. And it's a drastic way of thinking about how we um, operate in, in this country um, with each other. And um, I know a lot of people are saying a vaccine is the answer. Um, but we're going to, I'm going to look at vaccines here a little bit. And I think the most, um, like I said before, I think the most similar vaccine is most likely going to be a flu vaccine um, because I've read a lot and heard a lot of people say that this could only get worse, uh, the COVID situation, because it's going to morph and it can um, evolve and it can change, um, which makes it difficult. So if it ever, you know, once it runs through us this time, it'll come back as something slightly different next time and our antibodies don't matter because we're going to get it again. And, and these are all the things you hear as to why we need to be careful, right? These are all arguments um, in favor of being very, very careful with this virus, right? So, and then they, in the same breath, we'll point to the vaccine as the answer. Well, so I'm going to get every piece of information I got here came directly from the CDC's website. Um, I know a lot of people don't trust the CDC, uh, but I think most people do. And I think that um, they are the official governing body. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, that's where I got my information for this. Um, this is a direct quote from their website. Uh, recent studies show that flu vaccination reduces the risk of flu illness between 40% and 60% among the overall population during seasons when most circulating flu viruses are well matched to the flu vaccine. So breaking that down, what that says on the page that I read on is the best you can possibly get, meaning when flu viruses are well matched to the vaccine, is 40 to 60% reduction in risk of getting the virus, um, or I believe they're also referencing showing significant, you know, like hospitalization style symptoms of it. That's 40 to 60%. So that means at best, 40% of Americans are that take the vaccine are still going to exhibit, are still going to get the flu, essentially. Um, that's a lot. That sounds like a lot to me. That doesn't sound super effective. It does not sound like the answer. Um, it sounds like it only can help, obviously. Um, I'm not saying it's worthless. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's 
something we should avoid or not aspire to. But um, as far as when people are saying, I'm not leaving my house so there's a vaccine, well, it's only lowering your chances to get it, right? It's not stopping your chances of getting it. Um, so, so this is to say, basically, that in my opinion, at some point, we're going to have to accept that this virus is now with us and that people are going to get this virus. We can take all the precautions in the world, um, but like I mentioned in the last episode, the, the government and we as people do not possess the omnipotence to stop um, everybody from getting this. It's not a thing that we can, that we can do. Um, it doesn't sound like that's a real goal. So if we're going to compare this to the flu vaccine, um, which I think is probably the closest comparison as far as vaccine styles go, because it's a virus. Um, it's, you know, that seems to be the main comparison, um, where everything I've read and everything, you know, people seem to agree that that's kind of a close comparison, um, as far as, you know, the contagion of it, you know, how it affects you, things along those lines, how sick you get. Um, that still means that even if, even when they guess right, which is basically what the last part of this quote says, during seasons when the most circulating flu viruses are well matched to the flu vaccine, right? Which means they basically have to guess at which strain of flu is going to come through, right? An impossible job. I don't know. That's impossible. It's just, you can't, how, how do you even, unless they're actually tracking every, you know, virus out there all the time, constantly, how can they ever really know that? That's impossible. That's an impossible job. Um, so even when they guess right, they're still at best 40% of it. It doesn't help 40% of people at best. Um, that says a lot to me. That that's probably in the range of realistically what this what this vaccine is going to accomplish. Um, you know, if it does indeed uh, evolve, which it sounds like that's what all the experts say that it that will happen eventually, right? It will evolve. I mean, if you get the vaccine, you still have a decent chance of getting it, right? Um, so that is to me that's enough for me to think that the whole idea that we're just going to wait for a, a vaccine. Oh, once there's a vaccine, we'll be fine. Once there's a vaccine, we'll be fine. Like, I don't, I don't know. doesn't sound like it to me. It'll make it lower, right? Will it make it lower than masks? Will it make it lower than social distance? Will it make it lower than lockdowns? Will it make it lower than, I don't know. I mean, do we have to do this every single time? Um, cause if we do again, we need to have another discussion. We need to talk about I talked about this in the last episode as well. You know, if if this is the case, then we have to have a discussion about what we're going to do going forward here, right? We have to listen. This is important. We can't just overlook this. We can't just act like we can do this forever because we can't because of all of the issues I talked about um, before. So um, another quote I got, let's see. During the years when the flu vaccine is not well matched to circulating influenza viruses, it is possible that little or no benefit from flu vaccination may be observed. That's directly from the CDC. So they're saying, if we guess wrong, basically, it doesn't help at all. So let that sink in for a minute. If they guess wrong, right? So if they make a vaccine for 
the current COVID-19 virus, right? And it evolves. Even one little cell is different when it comes back for the second wave that they all talked about, right? When the second wave comes, if it's a little bit different than the one we have now, it won't do anything. There's a good chance it's not going to do anything, right? So again, this is kind of doubling down on the idea that what is the goal of this? We wait for a vaccine, still not super helpful, sounds like. It is helpful. We should probably go for a vaccine. Not saying we shouldn't. Not saying vaccines don't help. I'm saying they do help, and we should prob- we should be looking for a vaccine for this thing. Um, it does seem to be dangerous for a lot of people. Um, so that can only be helpful. But as a goal, we're not gonna we're not gonna eradicate it with a vaccine. It just doesn't sound like we're gonna be able to eradicate it with a vaccine, right? Okay, so next part of this quote. During years when there is a good match between the flu vaccine and circulating viruses, it is possible to measure substantial benefits from flu vaccination in terms of preventing flu illness and complications. However, even during years when the flu vaccine match is good, the benefits of flu vaccination will vary depending on various factors like the characteristics of the person being vaccinated, what influenza viruses are circulating that season, and even potentially which type of flu vaccine was used. Again, this is directly from the CDC. They're basically saying... Even when we match it up, it's hard to measure because there's so many different variables that go into how some how badly someone suffers from a virus, uh, no matter how well known the virus is, that it's possible we may not see much of an improvement. Um, you know, which again, this is not to say we shouldn't be pursuing a, a vaccine. This is not to say it won't help some, right? I think those are all good things we should be doing. Um, but as far as a goal goes, this isn't going to end the virus. It's not going to be over just because there's a vaccine, right? I don't think it will just, I don't think it's just going to be done because there's now a COVID vaccine for COVID-19. It doesn't sound like, you know, if it is like, if it's a virus like the flu, well, you know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be the answer to the question. You know, it's kind of like, Put this in other words, it's kind of like an electric car. Um, a lot of people love electric cars. They love Tesla because um, they think, oh, electric cars are the pro- are the solution, right? No emissions. As long as there's no emissions, everything's fine. We just fix the problem. We, everybody can drive an electric car and it'll all be fine. Well, that's not true, right? If we, the electric cars are a solution, they help the problem, right? But they're not the solution and they're not going to end the problem. Right, because if every single person drives an electric car, well, now we all have we have to produce enough electricity to power every single person's electric car. And producing that electricity is what causes all of the carbon emissions in the first place. So, sure, there would be less car exhaust if everybody drove an electric car, right? But it's but it's not really solving. It's not eradicating carbon emission, right? In fact, if you went, everybody had an electric car, it would only make it worse. Now, now this vaccine's not like that. If everybody gets the vaccine, I don't think it's going to make anything worse. Uh, But I don't think it'll, it's a solution. It's a helpful measure, right? It's a step in the right direction. But from what I'm reading, it doesn't sound like it's the answer, all right? And as far as safety um, and school opening, Take that for kids, like to put all that number and put it with kids, right? Kids die from flu every year. 
Every single year, kids die from the flu. So if, I think to the people who are arguing that schools need to stay closed, then you should probably want no more school, right? Because kids get sick at school. Adults get sick from kids because they go to school and kids get sick from other kids at school. That's part of being human. Um, so I think the macro discussion here is basically what are we willing to accept and are we willing to accept and go back to accepting the fact that people get sick um, and how far are we willing to go? How much damage economically and mentally and emotionally are we willing to do to people and bl- and brush it off and act like it's not a real thing um, in the name of no one dying from this very, very specific disease? You know? We accept death from every other disease. We accept it. We just accept that it's going to happen. But with this one, we don't seem to accept that. And like I said, I know it's new. It's scary. We don't know really much about it, um, which I think is actually sort of a compounding argument, you know, for the ineffectiveness possibly of the vaccine. You know, they will readily admit the novel coronavirus. It's new. We don't know anything about it. This is brand new. It's hard to estimate anything, right? But you're going to have a vaccine really soon. You know, it sounds off. You know, it sounds off. Um, we're going to get to, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, if you question anything, you're part of the problem, right? I get that. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but um, I don't agree with that. But there are questions here that need to be answered. You know, that's a legitimate question, right? If you don't know anything about the virus at all, you're telling everybody it's new, it's it's new, it's new, we don't know anything about it, but here, take the shot, you won't get it anymore. Maybe they're right. I could be completely off. Maybe they're right. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know better than them. Clearly, people who do this for a living know better than me. But from what I'm reading off of the CDC's personal own information, it doesn't sound like this is going to solve everybody's problem. You know? Um, as far as that goes, as far as what we're willing to accept, you know, I think the first step is we need to accept that people are going to get this virus. People are going to get sick. At some point, you're going to, like, people are going to get sick from this. It's going to happen. Um, it's like the flu or any of the other viruses I mentioned, right? People catch viruses. Uh, it's part of being alive. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take preventative measures. Maybe the discussion we should be having um, instead of, you know, how long should your business be locked down should be like, what do we do now to prevent people from getting sick, period? Not from getting sick with COVID. It should be getting sick just period. You know, should we be more cultural, culturally accepting of masks? Should we be, you know, um, should, you know, we talk about people staying home more if they are sick? Like to me, this virus, albeit new and albeit some of these numbers may not be um, correct. You know, again, there's, I know that the, uh, the argument is eventually, you know, maybe there's problem with organs. I know it gets some people, there's new science saying it affects your brain. Like some people are saying they have this thing called COVID brain now, which is sounds insane. Um, I don't know much about it. It's brand new, but it sounds pretty scary. So maybe it'll come out that this is far more dangerous than it looks right now. Um, so to keep that in mind as I go on here, but as of right now, if we're going to talk about getting back to normal life, and a big part of that is opening school back up for everybody, that's for parents and kids and teachers. That's a lot. It's a big, there's a lot of people. Um, opening school is a big, a big deal for a lot of people here. Um, so again, what are we willing to accept, right? 
and I'm going to talk about the death rate a little bit of COVID-19. I think as of, I think I got the most recent numbers here. Um, and I know that's only one aspect of the argument, right? The death rate is super complicated. There's like four different types of death rate. Um, they're all calculated differently. You know, the CDC is saying on its own website that the collection of the death data is to be taken with a grain of salt because some of it's electronic, some of it's handwritten, some of it takes a week, some of it takes a day. Some hospitals judge it by the day, some of it judge it by the week, some of them judge it by the month. So it's there's basically what they're saying is they're still trying to figure it out, right? They're, it's like this is a fluctuating thing. This might go up, this might go down. We don't really know. As of right now, we're just trying to figure it out based on these factors A, B, and C. And the most recent that I've been able to find um, and fact check on here seems to be um, a death rate of 0.26%. Um, I've seen it as high as 0.4% as of right now. Um, so it just is a hard sell for a lot of people when you say that 0.26 is the death rate. It's a difficult sell to tell people how dangerous this fire. Like when you tell a small business owner that 0.26% of his clients may end up dying for coming to his business man that's a rough sell because he's looking at bankruptcy he's looking at not being able to fight for his family feed his own family he's looking at things coming down the pipe in the future that are you know as bad as death because people might end up dying from it um and you know it's not really being taken into account so as far as the death rate goes i think with kids as far as opening school i think with kids this is an even lower number i think this is Everybody combined, I think, is the 0.26. So I think it's even lower with kids. Um, they seem to be not showing as much. Uh, they don't get damaged as much from it. But like I said, again, this is all new. So it could turn out that they get, you know, that this is just, it sits inside you for this long. And maybe we'll see a bunch of scary stuff happen at some point. But um, as of right now, these are the numbers. So if you invert the death rate and you call it the survival rate, You'd be looking at a survival rate of 99.74 to 99.60. And this is not to disparage any deaths that have happened due to COVID. I know it's a lot. I think the United States numbers are over like 150,000 at this point um, or approaching that, 135,000, somewhere in there. That's a lot. It's not to be taken lightly. That's like I said, like the vaccine is probably a good thing. I think taking things slowly and seriously is probably the right call, but... I would take those odds of survival on just about anything. If someone told you, oh, there's a 99.74% chance you're going to win the lottery, would you buy a ticket? Probably. There's a 99.74% chance you're going to, you know, survive jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. You'd probably take that too. Um, if they told you that, yeah, the roller coaster is super fun, but there's only a 99.74% chance you're going to survive the ride, you'd probably go on it, right? These are things that we don't even consider, um, but it sounds crazy to me, right? It sounds crazy. Like, is it is is 0.26% of people significant? Of course they are, because everybody is significant, right? We don't want to lose anyone. We don't want anybody to get sick and die or suffer, obviously. So taking precautions is fine. No one's against taking any precautions, right? That's another thing that I've noticed. Just a quick topic on this. The people who are against wearing masks or the people who don't want businesses shut down, they're doing it anyway, for the most part. People are pretty much doing it anyway. I mean, the only thing I've seen 
is on the beach the other day. I didn't go to the beach, but I was driving by just to see what it looked like. There's a bunch of people on the beach with no mask on. So that was the only time I've seen that many people without a mask. Uh, but for the most part, everywhere I go, every business, everybody is wearing a mask. I've seen people in their cars with the windows up with gloves on and a mask on by themselves. Like people are wearing masks, right? Um, it's not like no one's wearing a fucking mask. Everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's social distancing. Everyone's just taking a deep breath and doing what they're being told to do for the most part. Well, at least where I'm from, maybe this is, I'm sure this is different in other parts of the country, but where I'm, where I am, that argument doesn't hold water at all. Um, and to, you know, play devil's advocate against my own argument. I live in a county where the deaths are very, 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 very low. So, you know, we're not even on the list of shutdowns right now. So maybe it is all working. You know, that is to be taken into consideration for sure. Um, but it doesn't go both ways, right? So if I invite my friends over to my house, you know, ones that I know are not sick, right? Me and two other people, the only ones that I hang out with. And, you know, one of them says, oh, no. Or somebody else says, I don't want to come because I'm scared to get coronavirus. No one says, oh, pussy. Oh, you little bitch. Oh, come on. It's like no one says that. They go, okay. All right, man. No worries. Right. But if I say something along the lines of like, man, I hate wearing a mask when I go to the store. You get just people jump down your throat, a bunch of an asshole you are and how you got to protect everybody that's weak. Right. It's it only goes one way. Right. As does all authoritarianism. Call it what you will. That's what this is. Right. It might be for the right cause, I guess. But that's what we're living through right now. You know, you got to be honest about it. Um, anyway, it's a pretty damn good chance you're going to survive, even if you do end up getting it. Um, so with the numbers like that, it's difficult to sit there and say, oh, schools need to be closed because, you know, nearly 100% of kids are going to live. Oh, all right. Sounds, it's a difficult pill to swallow, right? Um, another interesting part of this I read, this kind of just doubles down on the last one on the CDC website. Again, quote for 6% of the deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned for deaths with conditions or causes. In addition to COVID-19 on average, there were 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death. Let that sink in for a minute. So in a normal person, right, of all the people that died, 6% of the deaths we have now, the only thing wrong with the person was COVID-19. Let that sit for a minute. That's from the CDC, right? That's their data. So every other hospital is reporting them, I believe. Well, as of recently, they might have changed that. That's something to be looked into. I'm not sure if that's... What's going on there? That sounds shady on the outset, but I have to dig more into that. Uh, but anyway, they're all reporting their data to the CDC, right? And this is the this is the cumulative data that 6% of COVID-19 deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned. And of the other deaths, an average of 2.6 additional conditions or causes per death Meaning they had an average of two and a half other things that would have killed them anyway. That's what that means. So this is a not a healthy person, right? So that what is that? 94% of the deaths had an average of two and a half additional conditions or causes per death. So almost everybody who died from it could have died from two and a half other things that they already had. 
That's a crazy stat to me. To me, that says a lot. That means if you have nothing wrong with you, right, at all, and you contract COVID-19, you have a pretty damn good chance of being fine per the CDC, right? That's what this says. Correct me if I'm wrong. Again, Methods Matt on Twitter, follow me, yell at me. If I'm wrong about this, go on there, tell me I'm wrong. But what I'm looking at right here, it seems like the normal average healthy person who gets this disease has a incredibly good chance of living and end up being fine. Right? As of right now, as of what we know right now, this is what the right now data says. Like I said, this might change in the future. Who knows? But as of right now, this is what it says. So we're going to not open school and continue these lockdowns for these numbers is what we're looking at right now. That's real. That's a real thing. We're really looking at keeping the emotional toll, the economic toll, the the disaster that so 50 million people, over 50 million people have filed for unemployment insurance. 50 million. That's 50 million people who applied for the insurance. So the real unemployed number is probably way higher than that. Scary stuff. It's truly scary stuff, right? We can't have a situation in which we're not allowing people to make a living. People have kids. People have families. People need to get back to work. People want to get back to work. People want to have some sense of normalcy, right? That's why I was so grateful for this past weekend. You know, I didn't do anything crazy, you know, for my business. I took people out on a little wine tour and it was awesome, right? There was only three of them and everybody masked up and we went to places and we sat outside and totally distanced and everything was everything was cool. Followed all the rules, right? But it was fun. It was a good time. And I hadn't done something like that in a while. And I don't think they had either. And I think it was just, you know, it was a it was a reprieve. I didn't realize, you know, I've been realizing recently how much of a um, mental toll this is having on me and probably a lot of other people. Um, and so it caused me to kind of look into, you know, what the numbers are right now. And I guess ask myself, do I feel like this is worth it? Is it worth it to keep kids out of school and possibly put them through the same thing? I don't know what kids are going through right now. Maybe they, maybe it's just a party. Maybe they're just stoked that they don't have to go to school. You know, I'm sure that's part of it. Um, but with the world being what it is and kind of the scary situation that we're in right now, with so much uncertainty going on, maybe it's not. And I don't know if putting it on them, you know, pushing it on kids and making them, you know, telling them that we're in a dangerous disaster and the world is scary and the world is bad and. You know, people out there are trying to get you and people who don't wear a mask are evil and the world is a scary place. I don't know if that's doing them any favors right now as far as kids go. You know, I don't know if that's that's helping their cause, really. Um, so, again, I think we're going to we're going to go back to as far as COVID-19 and the reasons for why we're doing all of this initially again like initially i'll still say this initially i don't think any of this the lockdowns canceling school not going to work all this stuff i don't think it was necessarily a bad idea um i think they were trying to buy time to figure out what this thing was so that they could decide what we're going to do um which is which is which is fine leadership in my opinion um i don't necessarily have a problem with that i mean i, I think had it been a month maybe we could look back on it and we could dissect it a little better um, but, and maybe I'd look back on it with a little more harshness, but to be completely and totally honest, 
I don't think it was, I don't think it was a bad idea. Um, you know, if they really were going to work, if they really were going to only do it for two weeks to a month, I don't think it was really a bad idea. But I think now going on four months, I don't think anybody had a plan for this. I don't think any business or person had a contingency plan for four months of having to be closed and having literally no income. Um, I don't think people thought they were going to be separate from their families as they have been. I don't think people were going to lose as many friends as they thought they were going to. And these are all arguments that I think need to be a part of this discussion um, that haven't been. And the people who bring these up are unfortunately, you know, it's being made to be political, which is the hardest part. Um, you know, if people say anything, you know, they'll, you be, you can just be accused of, well, let me back up a step where I'm from, where I live. If you don't criticize the president on every turn right now, you're some kind of like far right asshole. Like that's pretty much where I live. Um, and so it's kind of difficult to have these conversations because if I say something along the lines of, man, I just don't want to wear this fucking mask anymore. Right. I feel like a bitch if I forget my mask in my car. People will be like, oh, you just, you Trump supporter, far right, alt right Nazi. It's like, okay, whoa, whoa. Like, that's not even what I'm talking about, right? Um, and I think the politicizing of this virus is not helping the situation in which people are already really not seeing their friends and are already feeling lonely that when they express their concern, they're being met with this sort of anger and this like, this, I don't want to say hatred, but this like, uh, it's cruelty is what it is. It's cruelty, you know, to tell somebody that their arguments are relevant is cruelty, right? You're not listening to them and they have, you know, a valid point. Um, like I met two people over the weekend. This is what scares me because a lot of people are dealing with some serious mental problems. Um, like I mentioned earlier, but you know, I met two people who lost their loved ones to suicide over the weekend, not this weekend, but I met two people over this last weekend who that was their situation. Um, and my heart just breaks for those people really does. You know, it's horribly sad. Um, what those people have to go through when that happens and my biggest fear is that by continuing to not take into consideration um, the mental toll, the economic toll, the emotional toll that all of these policies are taking on people, that we're going to see that quite a bit more. Um, and it's terrifying to me. It really is a little bit scary that that's being so swept under the rug, right? Because... Instead of listening to someone say, man, I just miss my friends. I just wish I could see my friend. Instead of calling them a, you know, Trump supporting Nazi for I don't know what reason, right? You know, maybe we can have a discussion of, man, yeah, you're right. You have a point. I miss you. You know, I miss you too. Maybe we should find a way to hang out that makes us both feel safe, you know? Um, it's hard right now. A lot of people are going through the same thing. Um, and it's tough. It's tough for people, man, as far as losing their jobs, you know, 50 million people on employment insurance right now over. I think it's over that it's supposed to run out the end of this month. Terrifying concept. 
a lot of people are going to lose their houses. A lot of people are going to be evicted probably soon. Um, that's a real problem. Not everybody's in that situation, but a lot of people are. That's a real problem. Um, which begs the question, like, you know, maybe we should try to get back to normal here or some semblance of it. Maybe we should have some kind of conversation of what we're going to do as far as resemble normalcy for ourselves and for our kids and for our sanity as a society, as a culture. Um, I think it's important. And again, we're talking about opening public schools, I'm going to get a little bit libertarian on you here. Um, when you're going to, when you're talking about keeping schools closed, right? And like I said before, I don't think teachers are not doing anything. I understand they're online. I understand their job is completely upside down because I don't, they're probably not getting much guidance from whoever tells them what to do, right? I'm not a teacher. I don't understand how it works. So for the ones out there working real hard to try to do the best you can, props to you completely and utterly, right? Um, but from the perspective of people who have kids that can't take them to school right now and Regardless of how much the teacher's doing online, um, parents are involved in their kids' education now more than they probably have been ever in their kids' lives. And if you're going to talk politics and money, well, we're paying for an institution to exist in which we send our kids so that they can get an education, right? And again, I'm going to double down on this. I don't think teachers aren't doing anything. So relax, right? I think you're all doing your job the best of your ability. Um, but it's hard because a lot of parents don't feel like, you know, they should be paying for this right now because they're not getting the product they're used to getting. And that's a fair, like if you were, if this was a business, you'd probably quit. Like, right. So a simple, a simple analogy, like if you were paying for Netflix and they removed half of the, you know, half of their library, but they were like, Oh, but we're going to charge you the same rate. You'd be like, what? No, fuck this. Why would I pay the same rate? You know? It's not the same product. So I think, you know, I watched Gavin Newsom a while ago give his speech about his budget. And it was essentially drain all the savings accounts, cut state people's pay, you know, borrow money from the Fed. It was pretty terrifying, the things he was saying for long-term success. It was like, that's not a plan, right? That's not a plan of success or growth. Like, we can't just, we can't just spend everything. Like, that's that's not a, it's not a good idea, Right. Um, and so it's scary to say, but if a bunch of teachers aren't going to be working, right, come fall, I think a real discussion needs to be had, then maybe we should save some money. And unfortunately, I don't want them to lose their jobs. I don't. I don't want any more people to lose their jobs than they have to. I want everybody to go back to work, right? So I feel like this is kind of a discussion on getting back to a sense of normalcy, and I've, I'm, I'm hoping I'm coming across that way. But I think a lot of parents with kids – are going to have a hard time sitting there, you know, sitting at home watching teachers make their full salary that's getting provided through tax dollars while they're not at work. And you're going to have to interface with these people and you're paying them to do something that you also have to participate in. So there either needs to be a steep discount on that um, or defund the schools until the pandemic's over. I mean, how serious are we going to take this, right? This is one of those lefty issues that is going to cause problems. I don't know how they're going to answer it. They always come up with some whack way of answering it. But, you know, if you're going to shut school down, how do you justify continuing to pay everybody that works at the school? Especially in a time when you have no money, right? The budget plan is terrifyingly 
uh, scary. Just spend every dime we have and go into incredible amounts of debt, even though we were in a complete surplus, like not even two or three years ago. Um, ruin that whole thing for the cause, right? Well, okay, but maybe we should not pay a bunch of state people, just like everybody else who got laid off, right? It's kind of like put your money where your mouth is, you know? So for the government to impose all these sanctions but then keep all their people hired at their full salary, it's like, well, you're not really playing by your own rules here. You forced a bunch of people to get laid off and have no you know, hope in sight. So shouldn't you be doing the same thing? Is that leadership? Like lead by example, right? So they're going to shut school down. It's kind of not fair that the, everybody still gets paid. It's not the same situation as someone who gets laid off and they're not getting paid. It's not the same. You know, you're not arguing from the same place. It's not a it's not a good faith argument. I don't like that term because the term arguing in bad faith has become super popular right now, and I, it bugs me. But it's not a good faith argument to if you're getting paid your same salary to sit at home and do nothing, and you're like, just stay home, just stay home, just stay home. Well, a lot of people aren't in that situation, and it's much more difficult for them to come to grips with this idea that based on the numbers I read before, um. We're going to shut everything down and we're going to keep it closed, right? So I think we need to drop the politics from it. Um, I really do. And I think we need to have a real talk about, you know, I think we should shift this from how can we continue with normalcy if we want to prevent people from losing their jobs, if we want to keep things in any semblance of what we know them to be, um, then we need to talk about going forward and how much... Are we willing to accept? Are we willing to accept a 0.26% death rate? Is that safe enough? What's safe enough, right? Are we willing to accept that with a vaccine that at best is only going to stop 60% of the people who are going to get it anyways from getting it? Are we going to do this indefinitely until all the people who can't provide anymore are homeless and there's no money to be had and we just fall down this rabbit hole? You know, are we going to, are people who work from home just going to tighten up their, build fences around their house and it's going to become people that have jobs in California, people that don't? Um, I think it's a tough, uh, it's a tough ask. I think we got to figure out where we're going to go from here. Um, and it's hard. It's not easy, right? It's not an easy conversation to have. It's not, uh, there's no easy answers. I don't know the answers. You know, like I said before, there's a decent chance that, you know, this turns out that it is super dangerous, that people are suffering long-term effects from this disease, that it's really, really bad, right? There's a chance that that's true, but as of right now, the numbers don't seem to suggest that. And so I think we need to start talking about getting back to work, getting back to school. Um, and school is kind of a big one. School's a linchpin because people are going to school. It's going to seem normal again. Um, and of course, we don't want to put kids in danger right? Of course we don't. So if it does turn out that this is really dangerous for kids, then we do need to think about keeping schools closed for a while. We need to come up with solutions for that. Um, but like I said, you know, it is super dangerous, not super dangerous, but it is relatively dangerous to send your kid to school anyway, right? It's real. They might get a disease at school. They might get in a fight at school. Hell, someone might bring a gun to school these days. Right? It's relatively dangerous to go to school. And relatively is different for everybody. 
relatively could mean, you know, a very, very, very small chance. Or there's if as of right now, people seem to be arguing if there's any chance at all that anything bad could happen to my child. I don't want to send him to school, which is which is I'm not even saying it's an unfair argument. If that's what you believe, that's fine. I'm not even saying you're wrong. Um, but if that's the case, then the conversation needs to switch from we need a vaccine for covid before we go back to school to I'm willing to accept this level of danger for my child. And if that danger is zero, then maybe we do need to talk about what we're going to do for school in the future. Maybe we do need to not have, you know, as many teachers. Maybe we, if everything's going to be online, then instead of having classes of 40 kids at school, which was what I had, which was a lot, right? Maybe teachers, instead of teaching for the school system, could be independent, you know? They could have their credentials and their degree that they worked, you know, super hard to get, and they became teachers, and they could take that, and they can go private and say, hey, I'll come tutor your kids for four hours a day, you know, for this much money. Um, there's a good solution, right? There's there's a free market solution for you right there. Um and the best ones that rise to the top and they could charge a premium and start a business that way. Um, and it could be all done at home and you can do disease testing and um, keep your kids safer that way. And so I know school, especially public school, is like where, you know, it's public. It's the definition that it's public, right? So if we're going to open schools, I think the big question is how much danger are you willing to accept? Because as, as of four months ago, most people were willing to accept a certain amount of danger, Right. A certain amount. I mean, they didn't close schools at all for any of the school shootings, right? Because there's only a small chance it would happen at the school you go to. Seems outlandish, right? So it does seem like there's a small chance, as of the numbers I'm looking at right now, that there's going to be a crazy outbreak at school and a bunch of kids are going to get infected and bad things will happen, right? Is it possible? Yeah, it seems to be possible. And is that enough to close school forever? Maybe it is. But it does seem like a small chance, just like everything else. Um, so we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, Methods Matt on Twitter. Find my website, uh, themethodspage.com. Again, subscribe on Apple, uh, Google, Stitcher, anywhere you get podcasts. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks so much. Bye.